Hey folks, welcome to episode 131 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray, and this week we're going to have a look at uh, the most recent version of the OS Top 10 uh, that's updated uh, just recently in a draft that's expected to be final uh, soon. It's been updated after uh, nearly five years now, last time in November 2017, so interesting to see, I guess, how uh, that landscape has changed and what is seen as the top threats to web applications nowadays. Uh, plus, we'll do the usual roundup of security fixes from the past week. So this week, there were 26 unique CVEs addressed by the team. Uh, first up was an update for Model Melon. You may remember this from last week's episode where I talked about this for a bunch of Ubuntu releases. And so it's now been updated as well uh, for the most recent uh, interim release, uh, 2104. Uh, up to that was updates for the Linux kernel. So this was for a kind of all our supported releases. I'm not going to go into detail on all of the vulnerabilities across all the various different kernels, but uh, a couple of them I thought I would pick out were uh, two in the uh, for AMD processors in particular. If you are doing nested virtualization, I actually talked about one of these back in last week's episode. Uh, but yes, in that case, it was uh, a case where if you had uh, nested virtualization, you could have a malicious guest that would then spawn uh, a, su- a subsequent guest inside itself, the so level two virtualization that could then write back to the original uh, host machine's memory. And there was a second version of this vulnerability around uh, the VM load and VM save calls not being properly intercepted uh, and so they weren't being controlled as to what the uh, level two guest could write to in terms of the host's memory. So then again, because you've got a level two guest that can write to the memory of the uh, ultimate host, you could probably get code execution on the host as a result. So if you were doing uh, virtualization on AMD, you're a bit safer now. As well, uh, there were some vulnerabilities that were fixed uh, via a live patch. So that included both of those nested virtualization issues on AMD, plus uh, some vulnerabilities I've talked about back uh, in older episodes. So back in episode 124, uh, there was a vulnerability in uh, the secfile um, virtual file system within the kernel. That was an out-of-bounds write that could be used to achieve code execution and obviously then privilege escalation as a standard user. And similarly, in episode 127, I talked about uh, a vulnerability in the net filter set SOCOP system call, again, out-of-bounds write could be triggered on that. So as I say, they've all been patched via live patch as well, those four. Uh, and so, yeah, if you are running a live patch, I, uh, you know, you've now got those fixes. Or if you're not running live patch and you're running one of our LTS or ESM releases, you can enable that. Uh, live patch as part of Ubuntu Advantage is free for personal use from three machines. So yeah, definitely enable that if you are not uh, so that you can get some of those kernel fixes without having to reboot. Moving on, we had an update as well for Firefox. Three different CVEs were rolled into this. This is the latest Firefox release. Um, these included things like some memory safety bugs. Obviously, they could achieve possible memory corruption and therefore code execution within Firefox uh, and also a uh, possible bypass in the mixed content blocking. So that is the kind of thing where uh, if you're visiting a HTTPS website and it has uh, resources that are loaded over HTTP, they're not loaded uh, through that secure you know, connection. Therefore, Firefox normally blocks those. In this case, uh, if they had... Uh, in this case, that could be uh, bypassed, so they would end up getting loaded as well. And that's, I guess, more of an information leak kind of risk there because someone can see what you're downloading over the wire. An update as well for GhostScript. Uh, GhostScript's one I haven't talked about for quite a while, but uh, here we are again. So in this case, it was a trivial bypass of the sandbox. It's implemented in GhostScript. Essentially, uh, the PostScript language that GhostScript uh, is an interpreter for uh, has various ways that you can you know, access the file system, all kinds of things like that. Uh, and because of that, uh, and you're often dealing with untrusted content there, they implemented a sandbox. 
uh, and that's enabled by default. But yeah, a trivial way was found to bypass that using the pipe operation. And uh, there was an exploit that was apparently known about for this since March and that had been public available, publicly available since the end of August, but it was only reported to the upstream, upstream Ghost script developers on the 8th of, uh, 8th of, uh, 8th of uh, September, should I say. Uh, a fix was available for this since the 9th of September and then we had uh, updates for Ubuntu were published on the 10th, so within a couple of days there. Uh, that was actually published on a Friday, which is something we tend not to do in Ubuntu. We like to do our uh, updates in the earlier part of the week because that then means that if there are regressions or anything, there are people around you know, to patch those and handle those. And it also means that if there is a regression, it's hopefully not ruining your weekend by you know, bringing down some service or what uh, whatnot on a Saturday. Uh, so yeah, um, that was done though on the Friday, given the you know, availability of exploits and that that were in the wild. Moving on, an update for Git. Uh, this was uh, possible cross-protocol requests could be made by embedding new lines in a URL. So you know, if you are uh, specifying a URL to someone else, or maybe it's a, um, a subcomponent uh, within a Git repo that then gets cloned, uh, you can specify you know, the URL containing a new line. Git would then go and interpret that and potentially issue HTTP requests to you know whatever that other uh, remote endpoint was, not just the actual Git repo. So you can imagine that being used for you know linking information or maybe you know making a denial of a denial of service attack against some unknown host, that kind of thing. So that was fixed for Git. Uh, an update as well for AppPort. This is the crash handler in Ubuntu. Uh, as a crash handler, it then, you know, an application crashes, AppPort runs and tries to collect a lot of different information about that application so that, you know, can send a good quality bug report to the Ubuntu developers to be able to fix that. Uh, it has to then, you know, read all kinds of files, you know, perhaps say it's the X server that crashes. We want to then read files that might be owned by root. So AppPort does run as root. But it tries to drop privileges where possible so that it doesn't you know, include files that it shouldn't. Unfortunately, in this case, uh, it did include files that it shouldn't because it could be tricked into doing that by crafting various attributes of your uh, process or your application. You know, so an application can set various uh, you know, things in its environment or the like. AppPort would read those and then inadvertently, you, know, you could say specify a path component or something like that to specify an arbitrary file that AppPort would then go and read. That would then get dumped, that file that is, into the crash report which then might be able to be read by the user that was running that application or it might get uploaded automatically to errors.ubuntu.com or you know not automatically you'd get asked to do that uh, you know if you don't not inspecting that crash report closely enough yeah, it would then include those files so that was fixed for AppPort. Uh, SquashFS tools was updated after that. I actually talked about this back uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so in that case, it was the ability to uh, overwrite arbitrary files outside of the you know, destination SquashFS uh, route that you're extracting a SquashFS file to. And another way uh, was found to do that. Uh, essentially, in this case, you could include a symlink in the SquashFS file plus a file uh, in, this, in that SquashFS file, both with the same name. So you could have a symlink in that SquashFS uh, file that uh, points to say dot dot slash dot dot slash uh, etc slash password, and you could have a file then within the SquashFS that contains say new uh, you know password uh, database contents. When SquashFS goes to extract that, it would first extract the symlink with that name. It would then extract the file with the same name, but it would follow the symlink and overwrite say your etc password file. So that was fixed uh, with a good idea to just make sure that there were no um, files with the same name within the SquashFS you know, at the same directory level because obviously you can't have that in a normal file system either. 
after that was an update for curl so this is the last one uh, to round up this week this goes all the way back to 1404 extended security maintenance plus uh, 1604 extended security maintenance 1804 long-term support 204 long-term support and the 2104 interim release uh, this was three different fixes here one of them was in the mqtt support uh, there was an out-of-bounds write that could be triggered by via response from a malicious mqtt server uh, that one didn't apply though to our ESM releases because they don't support MQTT functionality. The version of curl there is not uh, not new enough to support that. Uh, as well, there was uh, possible to cause um, curl to uh, was possible to cause curl to not actually upgrade to TLS even though when that was specified by the server, so that could then lead to an information leak or similar. And finally, uh, in the handling of start TLS, uh, the, you know, there was the usual kind of start TLS vulnerabilities here where you could have a malicious uh, you know, um, intermediary be able to inject content in there or maybe to be able to intercept your communications and influence the actual TLS connection being set up as well. So that is it uh, for the week in security updates. So as I said at the start, the other thing I want to talk about in this week's episode was uh, the recent draft update to the OS Top 10. So the last time that was updated was back in November 2017. And since then, uh, things have changed a reasonable bit. Looking at more kind of system level design issues is kind of a trend that we're now seeing as well. Uh, previously, you know, injection was always the top uh, in the last few uh, OS top 10s. That's now moved down a bit. And in things like uh, broken access control moves up now. That used to be in like fifth position. It's now the number one. Uh, and something that's seen you know, more commonly as well, cryptographic failures. So that's things like you know not actually doing proper crypto, or you know having ways that you can stop the crypto happening. So things like that, start TLS and that kind of thing would fit into this kind of thing. As I say, injection. That's now in the third spot. That used to be the top, uh, but that now has been rolled. Uh, things like cross-site scripting has now been rolled into that. So cross-site scripting is now not its own separate, you know, item, but that does fit into there because you can imagine cross-site scripting is injecting content. Uh, insecure design. This is a new one, uh, and this is in number four place. So uh, you can um, kind of understand that web applications nowadays are getting more and more complex. Uh, they are now including various different components. And so the way that you actually design that system uh, can have quite an impact. To be able to remediate things like insecure design means we need better use of things like threat modeling, secure design patterns, that kind of thing. So yeah, good to see this one being called out uh, because it is, I guess, the way to make sure that what we are building in the future is uh, more secure. The security misconfiguration comes in at number five. Uh, this was number six previously. And again, uh, this now includes uh, what was the previous category for XML external entities. Uh, a new item as well, vulnerable and outdated components comes in. This used to be called using components with known vulnerabilities, but uh, yeah, it is the actual only one that doesn't have any CVEs assigned to it because you can imagine that CVEs get assigned to things and then the fact that you're you know using that still, you know, it's just you're using something with a CVE. You're not kind of, um, you know, it's not a CVE to use something that has a vulnerability in it. That is the CVE itself. But in this case, they're kind of calling out this practice of having uh, components that have known vulnerabilities in them and not updating them so that is good to see as well uh, after that identification identification authentication failures uh, that used to be second position but now is in about number seven uh, and so yeah it's good to see this here is still there because it's the kind of thing that we still see uh, happening all the time but things like the use of standardized frameworks for doing uh, identification authentication nowadays uh, is uh, helping I guess eliminate some of that uh, software and data integrity failures again a new category this one 
And that's about things like uh, making sure that you know you validate signatures on uh, you know things that you're applying and that kind of thing, or uh, maybe it's the use of um, doing CI/CD and not validating the outputs of those as you know with integrity. Again, good to see this thing coming in because I think that um, data integrity is going to be more and more of an issue. Essentially, trusting or you know having things and having trust in where they come from and uh, the provenance of that is only going to be more and more of an issue, particularly with all the talk around uh, software supply chains and the like in open source. Security logging and monitoring failures comes in at number nine and at number 10 was server-side request forgery. So uh, that is something that has been requested a lot by industry to be tracked in there uh, and so now to include this I guess calls out it or calls it out as something that you know you really still need to be aware of. So yeah, as I said, um, I guess what highlights to me about this is it's a little more of a uh, systematic approach than previously. Previously, OS would include um, more kind of particular vulnerability types and that kind of thing. Now we're seeing more kind of systems level design and that kind of stuff coming into this uh, because of, as I said, the increasing complexity of web apps and frameworks and things or the, you know, the combination of various frameworks and how you can put those together may lead to an insecure system. So think, seeing things like uh, you know, insecure design and stuff as well is really important. So if you are doing uh, web application software development or you're deploying web applications, that'd be something for you to check out. The other thing that I just wanted to mention in this week's episode as well is we are still hiring. We've got open a position on our certifications team. So that's for a Linux cryptography and security engineer. We also have a position open uh, as a generalist. So that's helping to just secure Ubuntu in general, apply patches, deliver updates, uh, implement security features, all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, both of these positions are fully remote. So you can work from your own home securing Ubuntu if you want. Uh, so check those out in the show notes and apply if you're interested. We'd love to have you as part of our team all right that takes us to the end of this week's episode as usual if you want to get in contact with us about anything ubuntu security related or to report vulnerabilities or anything like that you can reach us at security we also hang out in the ubuntu security channel on libera.chat the irc network and we are also on twitter at ubuntu underscore sec so thanks everyone for listening again for another week i will be back again next week to do this all for you but until then remember keep calm because we've got your back and i'll speak to you soon Bye.